Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. S-E-N-Z. 14 Roland Garros victories. His first back-to-back Grand Slam since 2010. Rafael Nadal has yet again today redefined a version of greatness and I don't even know if we should be surprised. Brett Phillips is host of the first serve. He's so good to us. And everyone, SEN, SENZ with his time. He's up early again. You can go back to being less nocturnal now, Brett. But let's talk rougher. Are you surprised? Should we be shocked? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we've probably tried to, or I have probably tried to write him off in this tournament. But mm. He couldn't do it this time. And here he is. Uh, just uh, setting another incredible record at the French Open. I mean, I, I can't think of anything in world sport that compares of a player dominating an individual tournament or event. Uh, it is incredible. 112 wins, three losses, unbeaten in 14 finals. And, I mean, look, unfortunately for the Parisians, they didn't get a great men's final. They didn't get a great women's final either. But that is the dominance of Nadal on clay, and then obviously Igor Sviantec, 35 wins in a row on the women's tour. That's how dominant and how far ahead of the pack she is. But I think once once he bundled Djokovic out of the tournament, uh, he as much as that um, that left foot has given him a lot of chronic pain, I reckon he absolutely steeled himself and said, righto, Novak's out. I've got to just galvanise myself for two more wins, mm. and then I can go and maybe uh, you know sit on the cruise yacht in Mallorca or on the in the jacuzzi somewhere <laughs> and rest up for a couple of weeks. And he just willed himself to the line. I mean, obviously uh, today, look, Casper Ruud, he's had a terrific tournament, but like so many um, in the path of Nadal in Paris, he was a little bit of a deer in the headlights, and you know he idolised obviously Rafa. Um, uh, he had an opportunity there. He started the second set really well. And we thought, okay, this is racing away from Nadal, and we might at least get four sets. And then Nadal just restored order, and the last set was, uh, uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> it was just uh, absolutely brilliant stuff. And you know, never before has he won the Australian and the French mm. to start a year. And if he's having any thoughts about, oh, geez, do I play Wimbledon? Uh, because I've gone so hard in the first five months of the year. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you just rock up to the All England Club and have a crack? It might just be one of those years where Roger's not going to factor. Novak hasn't had the same level of match play that he could he could maybe sneak the calendar slam and defy. That would just be unbelievable at 36 years of age. So, yeah, I, it's it's an incredible achievement. Mate, it's a huge achievement. It probably wasn't the final that we were after. Three straight sets, just uh, all done in easy wops, his hands of it. Um, what a can you tell us about the intricacies of playing on the clay and what makes him so, so good and, and so unbeatable? 14 French Open wins. It is fascinating. 
Well, I think, you know, this is, we talk about this a lot from an Australian perspective, mm. that our players traditionally haven't grown up on clay courts. Americans haven't grown up on clay courts. And, and this, is why, this is why you get surprise runs at the French that, uh, for example, Martina Trevisan, the young, not so young Italian who made the semi-finals, who's won, I think, 73% of her matches in her career on clay. She hasn't factored at the other slam. So if you learn to play that surface very early on, and the Spaniards grow up on clay, and they learn the nuances of the court. I mean, obviously, the ball um, uh, doesn't come on as quick as a hard court or grass, so you've got to learn... You know, patience. Uh, but he's the top spin in the revolution that he gets on the ball on a clay court. I mean, it, it, that's whizzing past you. And that's how good he is with that forehand. And that's why um, there were some concerns during the tournament because they brought in the night sessions, uh, the French Open, for the first time in the last two years, that when he was placed at night, you don't quite get that um, that afternoon air, that that lighter air on the ball to actually make it go through the court. It gets a little damper, the, the conditions slow up a little bit. So yeah, that's why he, he's been that's why he's been so good. And he's played so much on clay. So it is it is such a bonus and, and we talk about it on the first serve all the time. Until the Australian players actually play more on a clay court in their development, they'll never maybe quite become the players that they can. So anyway, that's another sticking point. That's that's a, there's an hour conversation in there somewhere, but yeah, he um, he's he's been brilliant on that surface. Yeah, the goat. Hey, we've, what about on the other side? Uh, Igor Swiatek, thirty four wins in a row and another Grand Slam. How how big a star is she? Well, she, I mean, she has taken full advantage of Ash Barty retiring, and since that day, uh, you know, she's won won six tournaments, uh, has not dropped a match in three months, has hardly dropped a set. I mean, she's just got herself in this unbelievable groove. Uh, she's a terrific girl to just deal with. You can see the humility. You can see the hard work. She's got such a big team around her. And this is, this, and this is, this is the key for tennis players. I mean, all the, the best tennis players have got a great team. And they all play a part from coaching to strength and conditioning to a sports psych. Uh, and and she, she, it is a flashback. It's, it's like a flashback of watching Steffi Graf uh, many years ago just dominate opponents, moving quickly between points, taking the ball on the rise early, just redirecting off you. There's no easing into a match when you're playing eager. She's not just patting a couple of balls back. She's at you and at you and at you. And in, in the blink of an eye, the scoreboard can be taken away. You're three love down and, and it's good night. So she's seeing it beautifully. She's got to go to the grass now and try and replicate what she's done on hard and clay. So that's still that's still a bit of a challenge, and as 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 good as she's been, it's a little frightening. That I think she's still a work in progress. <laughs> she's actually set herself apart from the rest of the field right now, uh, but maybe the best is uh, yet to come. And uh, she's been absolutely brilliant. Funny old Test match that starts Baz time in charge of the English Test team with a gutsy win off the back of some more Joe Root service. Stefan Schmalt is the chief cricket writer for the BBC. And he's been good enough to join us after his kids have left them alone. We appreciate you coming on the show, mate, and, and just uh, breaking down the first test match, mate. Morning, Stefan. Hello. Morning. Morning. How are you, mate? Thank you so much for finding time. I know you're a busy man, so we'll rip straight into it. How would you sum up test one in its, in its entirety? Ah, oh, what an amazing game of test cricket it was. So many ups mm. and downs, both teams thinking that maybe they should have won it and then at other times they were thinking they were really under the pump mm. um, and it's, that is the way that 
it is going to be for England under your mate Brendan McCullum, then we are in a real uh, we are we are in for a real ride over the next few years. You know, when when Brendan arrived ooh, about a week ago, he was telling us that he wanted England to play positive cricket and to always take the aggressive option, and that is certainly what they did over the past four days. There was some interesting strokes from the batsman. I don't know if that was Brendan's influence, but actually I think it in was. reality that is just the way that... <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it's the way that England have been batting over the past couple of years as well. It was hard to take too much from, from the match. Um, England relied on a, on a couple of big names, um, Joe Root and Ben Stokes and James Anderson and Stuart Broad. That's been the story for the past well, decade really, let alone the past 18 months. So that is a, a real job for Brendan to wean England off the reliance on those big names. And as for New Zealand, they gave a really, really good account of themselves considering they had such little preparation. They're in transition when you think that Ross Taylor and BJ Watlin have retired from the team that were crowned World Test Champions. I've got no doubt that there will be a, a much stiffer test for England um, at Trent Bridge on Friday. Hey mate, uh, the UK pundits are they are they relatively happy? We're in a short like uh, time, and and with Bears being involved, and you just touched on it, you've seen little glimpses of what he's trying to instill in the English side. But uh, you know, the, uh, the English media and and the pundits are they relatively happy with what's transpired already? Oh, listen, I'm not just saying this because I know this is his old show and that he might be listening, but <laughs> Brendan McCullum has made the England test team trendy again. And that's not just with the excitement that he's brought to um, a team that it was, you know, it's been hard work watching England for the past 18 months. But, you know, I think he's the only England coach that's ever turned up at Lords wearing rolled up jeans and no socks revealing his ankles. Oh. Um, this is a man who's going to have a, <laughs> he is going to have a very different approach um, to coaching the England team. But absolutely, people are really excited about what England might look like under Brendan McCullum. I think there's um, an acceptance that there is a slight element of risk about it. Brendan had not coached a first-class team before he took over England. But there is also um, that knowledge that Brendan had influenced the last great revolution in English cricket. That change from the 2015 World Cup when England were hopeless Four years later, they were champions. He inadvertently had such an influence on the England team through his great mate, Owen Morgan. Mm. And the hope is that he can do the same again with the Test team. Yeah, that's that's really good insight there. What is what is the public... Uh, I know that the tickets didn't sell too well at Lords. What is the public reaction over there at the moment? And, and what are you expecting in the second test? Are you expecting a full house? Yeah, Trent Bridge say that that is sold out for the first three days. I think there was a, a, a few factors going into why Lords wasn't sold out. And actually, when you looked around the ground over the first three days, there probably weren't as many empty seats we were anticipating. But the pricing was astronomical. There is um, so many different pressures on household incomes at the moment. You guys will have seen all the Jubilee celebrations that have been keeping people distracted over the past few days here as well. So I don't think um, the ticket sales were, were any reflection on on the new leadership. They might have been um, saying something about England's results over the past 18 months because it has been hard work and at times pretty depressing watching them play cricket. They have not played good test match cricket. Now, did they play good test match cricket at Lords this week? I think that is debatable, but it was exciting and it was the sort of stuff that you don't want to take your eyes off. And if that is going to be the case 
um, over the rest of this summer and for the next couple of years. Well, maybe they will sell out every ground um, where they play. Um, as for the upcoming test match at Trent Bridge, like I said, that is sold out for the first three days. And I would expect New Zealand to be better for the gallop that they've had at Lords. They had no right to push England as close as they did. They were 45 for seven on the first day. They were rusty. They had Trent Bolt, their opening bowler. He was still in India last week playing in the mm. IPL final. Um, you know, Kane Williamson had gone back to New Zealand for the birth of his child and arrived in England. All these guys. I'm just feeling their way into Test cricket. And you could see how they were improving as the match went on. And the worry for England is that New Zealand are going to be much better come Friday at Trent Bridge. And so how are England going to find the improvement to beat the team that is, let's not forget, the World Test champion? Yeah, we're, we're hoping for some improvement. And there's been big debates post uh, that, that first Test match about changes. Colin de Gromholm's out, so we're expecting... Uh, maybe if Henry Nichols is available, but what are you, some of the changes for the Black Caps in the top order? Should we be worried? They they haven't kind of fired for the last probably three series, and they are big names. You have got Devin Conway, Kevin William, uh, Kane Williamson, uh, Tom Latham. You know, like are you expecting changes and uh, a big fight back from that top order. Well, I think it's right to be concerned because none of the New Zealand top four went past 15 in either inning of the match. But that was a pattern that you saw from both teams. It looked like a a particularly difficult wicket to get in on and to face the new ball. But once the ball got softer, run scoring became easier. We saw that from Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell and Joe Root and Ben Stokes and Ben Folkes. I I don't know if we can read too much into the batting from either side. Um, Just because of the conditions, I would expect both teams to look fairly similar. But like you say, New Zealand may well have to find a replacement for Colin de Grandhomme and maybe that will be Henry Nichols. The really interesting thing from my point of view um, in the New Zealand team was the way Ajaz Patel was used Mm. and how Kane Williamson just didn't seem to trust him. And now this was a guy who took 10 wickets in his last test match. But let's not forget that the captain at that occasion... Um, was Tom Latham. And maybe mm. does Tom Latham have more faith in the spin bowlers than Kane Williamson does? Ajaz Patel, bowled, uh, he didn't bowl in the first innings. He wasn't really required because England were bowled out so cheaply. But in the second innings, Ben Stokes got after him. He hit three massive sixes over mid-wicket into the grandstand. And from that point on, Kane Williamson just did not trust Ajaz Patel with the ball, even though Colin de Grandhomme was out of the attack and you could see that New Zealand's three frontline seamers of Saudi Bolt and Jameson last night were really tiring. And that allowed Joe Root to accelerate the scoring and get England so much close to their victory target by Sunday morning. And then this morning, when the New Zealand seamers, they weren't really at the races, despite some heavy cloud cover and what you'd expect some real encouragement, still Williamson wouldn't go to Ajaz Patel. So mm. you wonder if. Um, the Kiwis will revert to type at Trent Bridge and we might see, say, Neil Wagner coming in for, for, for Patel and, and yeah. a four-pronged team attack. So what does Trent Bridge pitch play, play like? Is it best for the batters or the bowlers? And what's the weather forecast uh, come Friday? Now, listen, in England, it's OK looking at a weather forecast <laughs> until on you know Friday, but there is absolutely no guarantee that is going to be the same in uh, what it's going to be five days' time. <laughs> um, Trent Bridge... The ball swings there. It is a place where James Anderson has had some of his um, most successful uh, times as an England cricketer. It's because it's quite small, actually. 
And there is a theory that the stands being so close um, to the middle does something with the atmospherics, um, which makes the ball swing. It is also the ground where Stuart Broad took eight for 15 in an Ashes test um, a few years ago. So England's bowlers see it as a pretty happy hunting ground. There will be something in it for the seam bowlers at Trent Bridge. It could be another time um, when runs are at a premium. But also Joe Root, he got a fantastic century against India there 12 months ago. It'll be similar to Lords. Batters have got to get in. They've got to get past the new ball. But if they do, and when the ball goes soft and it stops moving around, they will get value. Mate, you touched on him. Joe Root, the importance of him. I touched on uh, last week about he's taken the, a captain's armband off. He's given that to Ben Stokes. But it wasn't a case of underperforming for Joe Root. He's always been scoring runs, and he's just got to 10,000 runs for the English side, mate. For you, how impo- the importance of Joe Root, and is this his chance to really keep building on his legacy he's, he's already created at the moment? It's a really good point that Joe Root was still able to become the best batter in the world, mm. even though the England team were crumbling around him over the past 18 months. Normally, when you see a captain coming to the end of his reign and his team struggling, the batting falls off a cliff. That has not been the case with Joe Root. And how he's done it, I really don't know. What I can say is it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to watch him bat over the past year and a bit. I think it's been nine centuries since the start of last year, where he's really just taken his game to another level. And even Kane Williamson today in his press conference after the match said, you know, he was asked about the big four and Kane just said, look, it's not the big four anymore. Joe Root has left us all behind. Um, (laughs) He is undoubtedly on his way to break every run scoring record in English cricket. He might be the only person left in test cricket when you think the way the game is going and so much more white ball uh, cricket being played. He might be the only person left who could have a tilt at Sachin Tendulkar's record of nearly 16,000 test runs. I mean, he's got to play a lot more test cricket to do that, another 60 or 70 tests, but he's only 31 he scored, I think, the best part of 2,000 runs in the past 18 months alone. If he keeps on at that rate, who knows? But what I do know is we are in the presence of possibly England's greatest ever test batter in the form of his life. Yeah. And it is such a pleasure to watch him play at the moment. Yeah, what a statement. What a statement from Stefan Shamal out of the Chief Cricket Writer for the BBC, mate. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Bears, he's got off to the ideal start. But hey, from a Kiwi point of view... That's enough. That's enough. Okay. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Evan. No, speak to you. No more. No more, Stefan. Tell them no more. Okay. Take care, mate. Thank you very much. I'll have, I'll have a word. I'll have a word. <laughs> We've got the goat, Joey Johns, on at State of Origin Week. And when it's State of Origin Week, you want to hear from someone who knows what it's all about. It's always that like that time of the year, is he? Ooh. State versus state, mate versus mate. Not, not many people... On this planet, no more than Andrew Johns when it comes to State of Origin. Played in, played in it 23 times for the Blues. Ran rings around some of the most incredible <laughs> players Queensland have ever put up there. Um, and we're lucky enough to have him this morning after having a chat to him last week. Hey, Joey, how's it going, mate? Hey, Campy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for getting up early, mate. I know I know you'll be having uh, <laughs> you know, your, your, your mind rolling around how you're going to beat this Queensland side. What? What's going this week, mate? Where's the threat come from, Queensland, you guys think? Has, has Billy picked a good team? Well, I think it's the best team they've probably picked in about five years. So, uh, they've got some young guys in there, very exciting young players, Cobo and Nanai and these sort of players. So, 
It's going to be one heck of a game. No, and Billy and Cameron and you got uh, JT out there as well, helping them out with the coaching. Is it, is it going to be an aerial attack? Is that why you've gone to Daniel Tupo and had Sawali and Camp? Is it going to be an aerial attack from Queensland? Yeah, for sure. You know, kicking is so important at that level, as you know, can't be, especially those attacking kicks. Uh, if we had Josh Shadowcar and Brian Topper on the wings, uh, they're both pretty pretty short players. So, you know, we need one of the players out there who's safe under the high ball. That's Tupo. Maybe maybe Suwali might be really close. I don't know if you saw yesterday what he did against Canberra. Oh, very good. My gosh, what a player. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, Joey, thanks. It's Izzy on here, mate. I'm great, very honoured to, to be speaking to the one and only Joey Johns. I was going to ask you about Joseph Suwali, mate, and, and his time in, in camp. You know, is he, is he long-term? Reminds me, you hate comparing. You hate comparing players, but comparing him to Israel Falau, his ability in the air is just second to none. Like, you see him having a huge future going forward for the for the Blues? He'll play for the Blues for the next 10, 12 years. That's how good he is. But there was a massive, massive rap on Joseph. Uh, over here, he went through the private schools, played rugby union, the other yeah. sport over here we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but he came. The, uh, he played rugby union at, at a really high level, played Australian schoolboys, and the raps on him were huge. And look, the Roosters paid big dollars for him. Mm. But if you look at it now, I think they might have paid $300,000, $350,000 a year. It's cheap. And this, yeah. this young guy, he, he is going to be a once-in-a-generation player. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what about I'm his, quite what, happy the Wallabies didn't get him, actually, Kempi. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about, <laughs> what about his body shape, Joey, in the last 12 months? How, how much has that changed? Well, it's changed a bit. Uh, but he's still pretty slight. He, look, he's going to put another probably 8, 10 kilos on his body. Look out when he's fully grown. He's still only 18. And he's still quite slight. <coughs> Excuse me, boys. I've got the flu. But, um, you know, for, for a Samoan boy, he's quite slight. You know, a lot of the Samoan guys are quite big and bulky and, and gross in their in their build. He's quite fine, but really athletic. But, you know, he's going to put weight on. He'll end up 100, 105 kilos. He'll be a wrecking ball. Hey, Joey, no, not many people notice what uh, Isaiah Yell does for Penrith and, and why he's in the New South Wales team. Just just give us your thoughts on the importance um, he is in the middle of the park and what he brings for the rest of the players. Well, I think he's the most important player in the New South Wales team. Considering we have Nathan Cleary and Tedesco, it's a big call. But if you watch the way he plays, he plays like a halfback um, for the Blues, but also for Penrith. And and when we're attacking, he links with Nathan and, and Jerome. Um, he organises the big boys in the middle. He gets them rolling forward. And his pass selection is as good as anyone in the world. He, he is an unbelievable ball player. But what you don't realise is, mate, he's such a big man. He's about mm. six four and off. So he's taken his game to a whole new level the last couple of years. And he's probably the most important player for the Blues. And I want to ask you about the back three, and I want to go straight to the number ones, the, probably the two biggest names in the NRL. You've got Tedesco up against Kalen Ponga. Where do, you, where do you feel Ponga's at at the moment? With his game, he is the biggest name probably in the NRL. He's probably the most debated player yeah. in the NRL. He's in the underperforming Newcastle Knights. But where do you think he's at at the moment, Kalen Ponga? Well, the, pot- the potential for Kalen is endless. You, you know, I'm working with him now at Newcastle. Yeah. And... The athleticism, the instincts, the ball skills, uh, the drive, all this is there. 
Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, he's playing at an outside, which is struggling. Yeah. And he's struggling to get some combinations up with his two players. Frightening thing for, for me and for New South Wales is that Caelan plays predominantly on the left-hand side of the field. So <clears throat> Wednesday night, it's going to be him and Munster working together, mm. which absolutely scares the hell out of me. But <laughs> he, he'll, be the, he'll be one of the most dangerous players on the field Wednesday night. He, he's a freakish talent. But he's a byproduct at the moment of Newcastle, you know, struggling with some plays in two areas. Yeah, I still think I think you know he's that, he is that player though, uh, Joe. That when you you put him in amongst some good players like the Munsters and Co, that he will step up, um, you know, and do some magnificent stuff. Hey, it would be remiss of me not to ask on behalf of the New Zealand listeners here today <laughs> about the Warriors and what you're thinking. Uh, is a, is mm. around them and mate just as, and also around Sean Johnson like you're a, you you you're the best halfback that's ever worn the jersey and then you're watching this kid Sean Johnson run around what's mm. your thoughts on Sean Johnson and the Warriors at the moment? Well, at the moment he's struggling behind a team not going forward. You could have Peter Sterling, myself, Jonathan Thurston all rolled into one and playing there at the Warriors and we couldn't do our job because look, they've lost Fenua Blake, they've lost Matt Lodge, so they're, they're struggling to gain any sort of ascendancy at the ruck. But, you know, Sean's in a bit of an enigma. I see him play some games and takes your breath away. And there was years gone by where he was the best player in the competition, best player in the world. But um, for whatever reason, he struggles to get it there week in, week out. It's a hard one, mate, because, as I said, he's playing behind a forward, not forward pack, not going forward. But he's not at his best. It's just, I scratch my head. I hear people say, oh, he's got to run the ball more. Well, he doesn't have to run the ball more. He's got to run the ball at the right times. And at the moment, he's obviously not seeing, you know, any gaps because his forwards aren't rolling. But he seems to be one of those players who's much maligned. People like to jump all over him. Look, he's like the Warriors players. He's not playing well. But there are excuses. But, look, Sean's coming to the end of his career and he's not as quick and he's not the player he was 10 years ago. Mm. But, you know, they really are struggling. And it's a shame because... We need the the Warriors strong in the NRL, and but they they need to build from within. They need to build from within. Look back in the early two thousands when they were at their best. They had Stacey, Arwen, Goodenbill, Quentin Torpy, Ali, all these players. You know, I've left a heap out, but they're all local products. They all came through together. So look, they've got to build from within, and yeah. I think they've got to build from within with Kiwi players. It's, they're identify these young talented kids in New Zealand. Mm. And the likes of James Fisher Harris, Waria Hargit, they should never play in Australia. They should be playing for mm. We need we need all the kids growing up, rugby league kids, and even some of the other code rugby union, aspiring to play for the Warriors, the Kiwis. So that's a big challenge for the for the powers that be there at the Warriors. Yeah, I was listening to your comments when you were talking about when uh, the Warriors need to regain the Pacific, and uh, they're just getting dominated. Yeah. We talk about it every week. Pathways. I told a story about Christchurch down here at the moment. There's a father. He's a father of a 13-year-old kid. He's getting touted from the Gold Coast. They've come over and they've offered him everything. They're throwing the kitchen sink at this young kid. So they've got people coming in their backyard and just dominating. It's not a great look. And, um, yeah, it's something we need to touch on in the future. Do you reckon going forward, Dejan Arce and Ronald Volkman, like we're, the season's over for the Warriors. Do they start building and giving these guys opportunities and a time in, in the seat to get some you know, NRL experience? Well, Ronald Volkman's got a lot of potential. He's, he actually went to the college where my son goes now, and they rave about him. Last year, he pulled it in the rugby union. So, you know, there's there's potential there. I haven't seen enough 
to give a big opinion. Yeah. Arcee, I think, is a really clever player. Um, but whether they're too too much alike them as players, they're both tricky players. Whether they need a, a, a player who just competes and just wants to win. Look, someone like a Jimmy Maloney. You know, Jimmy's a pain in the backside. But he was one of those players that do do anything to win. It's very tough for young halves to come in. Look at the Gold Coast. They've got some real young halves, and they're really struggling. But I think they need one of those players, and then they need an old head. You know, Sean's still got a bit bit, bit going for him. But Camalolo, Fisher-Harris, those players, they should never leave New Zealand. Should never want to leave. Yeah, and that's the, and that's the biggest problem is that the want is and the desire is to get into the NRL, and we're missing a lot of those good well, players. Well, we're, we're looking to expand the game. We've got the Dolphins playing next year, but the problem in it's probably everywhere in Australia. There's less kids playing, so we need to build the game somewhere, and, and where we need to build the game is in the Pacific countries. Mm. So I think the next team that comes in should play out of Wellington and should play under Pacifica um, sort of brand. Now we've got feeder clubs. We've got the PNG Hunters who play in the Queensland Cup. We've got an, uh, a Fiji team coming into the New South Wales Rugby League. So there's some sort of pathway. And then, look, down towards that Wellington area, there's a lot of rugby league gets played. So mm. now I'd love to see a team out of Wellington under the Pacifica uh, brand or logo and you know build the game in Pacifica. Yeah, we've been talking about that over here. We definitely think we can manage a second licence, Joey. So uh, we'll, get you, we'll get your thoughts on that another time. Mate, just going back to the New South Wales side here, you're looking to start fast. You know, you've got Damien Cook, Cleary, Luai, uh, Luai out there with uh, Tedesco at the back, the middle of the ruck. Is that is that the area that you think you're going to be attacking on Wednesday night? Off quick play the balls, yeah, after probably 10, 15, 20 minutes when the game opens up. The beauty for New South Wales is we have pockets of attack all over you got you know, Cook and Tedesco at the ruck. And you got Isaiah Yo with the middle of the field. And then you got Nathan on the right side with Gatoni Staggs. And the left side, Jerome Luai with Stephen Crichton and those players. So there's pockets of attack. I think the most dangerous one is what you said, Kemp. Kemp oh, sorry, uh, Cook and Tedesco at the ruck. Mm, yeah, Joe. Hey, so just give us... At the moment, you're looking at the the origin and the series. Yeah. Who's the biggest threat? Like someone, is it is it Cobo? Does he come? You know, I've I've looked at Cobo, mate. I think he's destined to be as good as, if not better, than Inglis. That's a I know that's Inglis. a big Ooh. I know that's a big call. But the kid, mate, he's got speed to burn. He's got he's got football awareness that you only see every now and then in young blokes. Are you? Do you think a young kid like that's going to come up and make a name for himself in the series? I think you'll go close. Look, the, the big danger is Munster and Caelan. I'm putting my head on the pillow at night, and I'm thinking about those two playing on that level. <laughs> I wake up in a cold sweat. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to watching Cobo go at that level. I'm looking forward to that young uh, tearaway Ben Cotter in the middle of the field. He's nice and he's by like Brendan Smith. Well, there's another one, mm. Brendan. Um, but Munster and Caelan. They're both very suppliers. That's going to be an interesting combination. Hey, Joey Johns, we appreciate it. I was actually surprised Kalen in Newcastle. I, I thought if he'd have gone back and shaped the All Blacks. So oh, we're lucky he stays in Newcastle for four or five years. Good signing, mate. And uh, I can see him coming over. Roger Tuivasa-Sheck's pretty close to, to making the yeah, slot. Yeah, how is how, how is Roger going? Because he's going over good. here, we get, no, we get sort of no coverage on free-to-air at all. He's Mate, he'll lift the trophy, Joey. He'll lift the trophy <laughs> in two weeks. He'll yeah, beat he the Crusaders in the final. He won't lift the trophy. He won't lift the trophy. <laughs> but he's he's scored his first try on the weekend. He's 
he's doing well. He's probably not having the impact he was able to at fullback. He's playing 12, so it's a more position suited to, you know, battling the ball up, distribution. So you're not probably seeing the best, but he's having an impact, and I'm predicting you're going to probably hear his name being called out in, in a week's time when the All Blacks... Okay. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So, Joey... Look to watching you go around. On, on behalf yeah. of the New Zealand Warriors public, they just, uh, they've just been messaging, and they've just asking the question, would you come and coach the Warriors? <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, if they're based out of rag, if they're based out of rag one, I'd consider it. <laughs> I'd be I'd be your manager if they're based get, out of Raglan. I'll get you a helicopter, mate. Whenever oh. you want to fly to Raglan, they'll oh. drop you off the end back. It's part of the oh. package. Oh, my, my manager, so if you get him to negotiate, you <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, awesome. Great, Joey. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on this morning, mate. Really appreciate you getting up. Uh, all the best for the series. And, uh, yeah, mate, go well. We'll talk soon. Yeah, cheers, Joey. Good on you, Campy. Good to speak, mate. Awesome. Today we see a new dawn of Kickoff for the Black Ferns. It's been well publicised. The changes that have gone on internally and now externally with the World Cup only months away. Results and momentum on the field are needed. Niall Williams is an absolute legend of the Seventh Circuit. She's made an incredible return from, well, that career-ending injury when she was told that she may never be able to play again. Well, she's a, a great ambassador for young kids growing up in New Zealand. She's on the line now. Nizzle, morena. Morning, brothers. How are you? Morena, morena. We're very good. We're very good. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on the show on this long morning. I know you would have had a busy weekend, but I've seen you. You've been about at uh, at the Blackferns captains run. You've been, um, you know, at some promo events with them as well. From the outside looking in, are you excited about today? Two forty-five. They take on Australia. Yeah, bro. I'm so excited. Um, even just being amongst the couple of promos they did yesterday with um, mm. my daughter's team and. Um, I feel like they've just got this new excitement about them and, and they're really enjoying their time in the black jersey and, you know, how good to have an actual <laughs> event that's just based on the black ferns for their captain's run. It was unreal and, and actually, like, you know, a couple hundred people turned up to watch that. So, nah, it was it was real fun yesterday. Hey, quickly, Izzy, yeah, I just want to, yeah. before I forget, I really was happy to come on here because, you know, to say a big happy birthday to you and announce your 45th birthday today. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Hey, yes, yes. Hey. I, I knew that was the truth. No, don't start. Don't start. I told you yesterday. I said, I don't need it today. It was a long day yesterday when I was trying to parent. <laughs> too early, Bob <laughs> <laughs> Too early, too early. Hey, now, I was watching on social media and... There is a real difference, eh? Like with um, obviously the sevens, your your girls and the team and the kind of legacy and dynasty that you girls have been able to forge for the New Zealand sevens, and you're getting the recognition. But on the flip side, the Black Ferns yesterday, their own captains run. There's a lot of hype behind it, eh? So you can see the real difference that that Wayne Smith and particularly Alan Bunting. You got to share it. Talk to us about his influence on that side as well. Yeah, yesterday I actually got to um, catch up with Bunce, which was real cool. It felt like old times, and I almost mm. felt a little bit, you know, like um, jealous, but on the flip side, like happy for the Black Friends that they've got someone, you know, like Bunce in there helping with their culture. And he's a big believer in, you know, person first, rugby second, because they influence each other so much. And yeah. I know he's not going in there to try and um, change change much, but just kind of bring out the best in what's already there. And obviously with um, Smithy and, and the likes, um, or, you know, being amongst that management group, gosh, I was actually sitting in the stand looking at it like, wow, this is a fire management, <laughs> you know. Um, 
but um, yeah, you can definitely feel and, and see the excitement that the professionalism is a little bit mm. like it's better too, you know, and, and even walking up to the gate, little things, you know, like having wristbands that say Black Captain's Run on it and and, and having a whole, um, I'm, I'm actually sitting here right now looking at a paper, you know, with all the pictures on it where they got to sign it for the kids. And it's awesome. just the little things, but you, you know what it's about that kind of brings out the more excitement and that professionalism mm. that makes you want to be amongst it. Yeah, Niall. What about, uh, I know it's a, I know it's a, a um, pretty hot coaching staff. What about Ruhi Damont De- as the captain and picking that up for the first time? Have you seen a change in the way that she leads? You know, I've, I've actually known um, Lulu at qu- quite a while, just through um, Auckland Sevens and that, and her and her sister Kitty, and, and they've always kind of, she's always had that, um, I guess, you know, thing about her where she was a natural leader. Um, mm. she, she's she's great at speaking. You know, she 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 has all that stuff that you like. You know, good at speaking and da 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 like all that. But she actually is a great person too, and someone that you want to follow and. Um, I know from speaking to a few of the girls that um, having Lulu as captain, they've really, yeah, like I said, they've just wanted to follow her. They're listening on every word she says. And, and I'm looking forward to um, seeing her get out there and, you know, and make her first cap as captain. Um, it's such a special moment, not for her as well, just her family in, in mm. general. I know they're proud. Oh, they are. What, what about your other mate? Your other mate that's, uh, oh, I love watching her social media, Ruby Tui. She's obviously going to make uh, her, her uh, long-awaited debut on the wing. Mate, just the whole build-up. Have you, you obviously would have caught up with her yesterday, and mate, you must be pretty excited to see her, like, you know, she's made her stamp, stamped her mark in sevens, but an opportunity to really stamp the mark in fifteens. Yeah, oh man, yesterday I was cracking up laughing because if you know Ruby, she's 150% all the time and <laughs> they had a cap- they had their captain's run yesterday and they said, were kind of like, oh yeah, just low-key and Hazel Tubick actually did like a crossfield kick in one of the plays and, and Ruby runs and does this massive jump and backs it back in and lands on her back and does like a backwards roll and I was like, oh bro, that is so, like everyone's just jogging and Ruby's doing that stuff, you know, like it's, it's her to a T and, and I love to see it and um, I'm not going to lie, when Ruby actually came out and said, oh, um, I'm I'm going to step away from the sevens a bit and try and focus on the six wins, I was kind of cut, you know, I was like, mm. nah, you can't lose me. And, <laughs> but just seeing her growth and, and, and her um, kind of be, put herself in an uncomfortable, vulnerable position where, you know, she's not the top of the, the, the food chain probably, to go to speak, but mm. I... I I see that and it, and it almost gives me power and I know it probably gives a lot of other young girls and people around, you know, yeah. that power to be like, man, you can, when you're at the top of your game, step away and try other things and, and look at her now, she's going to make her day through, which is, yeah, it's just crazy and it was cool to see her yesterday and, and I actually sat in the stands and when they all come out and they were kind of getting ready for the, the captain's run, I, I watched her like, amongst the group. And, were you yeah. keen? Were you keen? Were you like, oh, well, maybe yeah. I could do this. <laughs> You know what? I was keen, and then I seen some of them too, and I went, "Ooh, oh, I don't know if I'd want them to run it straight at me." Shivers. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like they're big, strong girls, eh? Yeah, no, it'll hurt. <laughs> it'll hurt. Hey, no, <laughs> hey, Niall, what about uh, the importance of getting a win today, uh, especially as they build their culture going into this uh, World Cup? Well, there's no denying it. You know, they've been they they, mm. they had the 30 contracted players um, who um, have been training, you know, as a unit and getting to, you know, there's nothing that can beat training day in, day out um, as your job and not have to worry about other things. So they've had those, obviously, 30 contracted players. And for me, I think it's, it is real important, you know, not just for um, 
the dub, but also for the team yeah. morale, you know, like you want to start on a good note. You want to um, see your kind of work come to fruition. So I think it's going to be a big day for them. I did, I, my, when I look at the team, I see a team that's going to be like expansive, keeping the ball alive, you know, mm. um, exploiting those kind of areas. I am looking at the window now, though, and I'm seeing lots of rain, so it'll be interesting, oh, no. um, it'll be interesting to see how they actually um, play and, and if there is any tweaks or changes to that kind of game plan that I think will you know, be their best bet. So, yeah. Oh, well, one person that hates losing is Sonny's dad. Sonny's dad's Smithy, so he'll know. He'll know exactly. How. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to make him angry. <laughs> Not even gonna argue that. <laughs> yeah, he's a grumpy old fellow, Smitty. But hey, um, quickly, Niz, I just want to ask you about your journey. Like, it's it's an inspirational uh, journey that you've had to endure and overcome, mate. Going, being told that you never play again to actually fulfilling that that journey and putting the jersey back on for the, for the Seven Sisters, mate. Tell us about that pretty awesome occasion that you're able to to enjoy overseas. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy, bro. Like, honestly, you know, six months ago, I'm getting told in the same conversation that you're not going to the Olympics, that you're also not probably yeah. not going to be able to play again. And fast forward six months, it just went really quick. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, I've, I've got the black jersey and I'm standing there holding it and, and realising that I'm going to be back on the pitch tomorrow. And it's been a tough journey. And, and I, I I wanted to kind of showcase the, the journey. Like, you know, I share a bit of it online and that. But That's it's awesome. more so for... Like the the other side of things, you know, it's not always glitz and, and glamour, and, and things don't always go your way. And just like the proof, like you know, when you say you've earned the journey, like meaning it. And um, mm. yeah, it was such a special time, and and it's probably almost like now. I just honestly, I when I went over to that tour, I just I just wanted to be amongst my people and and enjoy it rather than focus too much on winning and, and how my performance went. I just like, just enjoy it. Like you didn't think you were ever going to be able to put a black jersey on and now here you are. So, and I really did. I mean, like, you know, mm. your good mate, Stacey Waka had me bloody doing TikToks <laughs> and everything. And oh, that was the funniest. Oh, but poor people who had to witness me try and dance oh, and have rhythm. Well, I, I apologize now, but we had some good times and, and you know, we, and I just had lots of fun, and I and I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh man, that was the funniest TikTok I've ever seen. Um, and it got me, it got me in stitches. Hey, before we let you go, um, Noel, um, and we really appreciate you coming on. Just one thing, one thing that you've taken away uh, that you've you know learned about yourself going through what you've just had to overcome in the last couple of months. What's one thing that you could probably share with some young? listeners out there that probably going through their own little struggles oh yeah probably the first first thing is just never let nobody tell you no um mm. you know it's not over until until you say it's over and if there's a will there's a way like I, I that's how i felt like i was backed into a corner but i i looked and i reached for that little bit of hope and if you surround yourself with the right circles you know they're actually that hope they're that light and they show you the way. So I'm very fortunate and blessed to have, you know, a, a loving partner, two beautiful kids and a family that, and, and, you know, friends that second to none and mm. who in my darkest times were, were my light. So, um, yeah, that's probably, look to, look to those close to you because, you know, they're through, through it all, you know, but I always say before, when the lights are on and when the lights go out at the end, they're the ones who will be next to you. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Spot on, Noel. Honestly, appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insights for the Black Ferns. Big day for them, and obviously talking about your journey and what you've had to overcome. Mate, appreciate it. 
Uh, take care. Oh, and also, has Sonny's got about 28 numbers. Has he changed his number again? Oh, man, don't even get me started on that. Honestly, he's like a ninja. I just can't keep up. Even my mum and dad are going off at him. Oh, <laughs> oh man, he's always changing it. Nah, I would too. He's an absolute superstar. Send him our love and um, send your family our love too, Niall. Thank you so much. I would. I will, bro. Enjoy your birthday too, bro. 45 looks good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. Get out. <laughs> so you are 45, yeah. eh? Is... <laughs> oh, not there. 31. 31 today, team. Plus three. 34. <laughs> 34. Getting old. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.